0: Today's episode of the podcast was sponsored by Dr. Carlo Barakdarian. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Father Narek Terterian, the pastor of St. Sarkis Church, along with our co host, Mr. Veh Buzdigian. Welcome to another episode of
1: the podcast. Let us start our show with a prayer from the prayers of the Armenian Church. In faith, I confess and bow down to you, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, uncreated and immortal nature, creator of angels, of men, and of all things. Have mercy upon your creatures and upon me great sinner that I am. dead can I address the elephant in the room? Is there one? <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs>
0: Let's address the elephant in the room.
1: Uh, the questions that I've been getting from friends and family and from associates and listeners of the podcast, obviously, is that, uh, you know, where are you guys? It's been a few months and we're not hearing the podcast. So uh, I'll direct the question to you. Where have we been? We've been here. We've been in New York. <laughs> we went away, came back, but we've been here. We've been busy.
0: And today we are recording to tell you that this is the last episode of the podcast.
1: Are we? <laughs> no. I don't think anybody wants to hear that. If this is really the last episode, we might as well not record it. No. Because that's just a big letdown for folks, I think.
0: No, we shouldn't do that. I think I miss the podcast. I miss recording, and I'm, I'm so happy to be back. And here's the thing. We are... Very busy. You've been away. You've been uh, out of the country constantly. And my schedule has been very unpredictable. And for that reason, we haven't recorded since May, basically.
1: It's been since May? Yes. Oh, I was thinking. If you asked me, I'd figure like June, maybe early July.
0: The last one that we recorded was right after the NRA. And we haven't done anything since then. So summer was busy. and
1: then. Yeah, I was gone. Like you said I was away. I was in Eastern Europe for most of the summer. Exactly. with work and it's been back and forth and just it's unbelievable the amount of like chasing our tail that we do in this town and with with work and all of our familial obligations. Not to make excuses, we made a commitment to this and I made a commitment to you that I and I apologize it's taken so long for us to get together. Uh, I think But the, I think it's shared. Like we we both, we, we both we we are, regret not being able absolutely.
0: to. Absolutely. We we should apologize to our listeners, sure, for those who have been waiting for us, <laughs> and um, we're back.
1: And Let's made... hope they come back. I hope so. We'll see the count. We'll I will ca- so. i I, I used usually check to see how many people we have listening. and uh, Are we challenging the them now? We'll challenge the listeners right now just to continue to re-engage and to embrace the podcast once again.
0: Sure. And, you know, when... When we were gone, when the podcast was not uh, live, um, a lot of people would approach us and ask us, where is the podcast? When are you guys recording back? And, you know, um, although we concentrate a lot on the numbers, how many plays do we get, but when any individual comes to you and asks you about the podcast and tells you how much it touched their lives, then... You get energized and you want to do this again and that's why we are here
1: absolutely i think that was part of the part of what <laughs> precipitated our meeting today was you got some positive feedback recently yes. and I, I, somebody I guess, was listening to our old episodes and really wanted more was yeah. asking for more so. i guess um we need that feedback sometimes that, sure.
0: that encouragement sure. and i want to tell our listeners that um, we will not be recording this on a weekly basis or a bi-weekly basis we will try to release an episode uh, once a month maybe
1: once a month is a reasonable target i think it's a good goal for us and if we can achieve that i think uh, you know we'll be we'll be doing our listeners a, a a a service sure and i want to
0: share something else you know there are th- those people the folks who come and tell you where's the podcast why haven't you guys released any podcasts? but there are those mm-hmm. Who send an envelope with a check and it says donation for the podcast. Although you're not releasing any podcast, people are telling you it's time to release. Oh, one. is so, that what it is? Yeah, it's okay. a passive aggressive. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. I'm happy to receive all kinds of encouragements and we promise to do this on um, a different pace, but hopefully, we'll be with you once a month.
2: So let's go there. Let's
1: So let's talk about where we've been, Dead I mean, we talked a little bit about our busy schedules and, you know, our obligations here. But uh, you had some interesting travel this past summer and most recently with your travel to Armenia. But we could talk about some of your professional travel, where it's taken you. I know we actually got together on part of that travel in Lebanon. um, But I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to hear. And I know our listeners would as well.
0: I mean, right after we finished our 12th season of summer camp, which was a great season, by the way, we traveled to Lebanon, and I haven't been to Lebanon for over seven years now, and uh, the major part of our visit was to visit, I mean, uh, our our travel was to visit family and spend time with our family members. But also, um, I had the opportunity to spend three days in the seminary, uh, my own seminary, where I spent seven years in the past and I graduated and it was such a great experience to go back there and I was there um, to have a seminar on pastoral counseling it was basically this was the idea of Anushagan Serpazan he introduced the idea and then when Oshagan Serpazan heard about it he contacted the dean and uh, they welcomed the idea and um, as I said I spent three days there and it was an introductory course. We touched a lot on introductory topics. Some of the topics was um, very new for them, and, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, but they received it very enthusiastically. And, you know, for me to go, to be there, and to kind of give back to the institution that basically gave me everything was such a rewarding experience, and I'm very grateful.
1: That um, basically they made it uh, happen. Oh, it sounds like a tremendous opportunity for you. Was this your first time back in an official capacity to actually provide instruction and to yes. to assist with the seminary? Sure, this was the first time. I mean, I've visited in the past, but it felt it felt good. You know, the f-
0: it was in the auditorium of the seminary, and they made the introductions. Now they invited me, and I'm um, behind the podium. I st- I started, uh, you know. And I'm like, I'm feeling anxiety. I'm mm. like, what's going on with me?
1: I, I know my stuff. I know what I'm gonna teach. I've got the material. Where is this coming from? And But you often you, you've said to me in the past that you still feel anxiety even with public speaking generally, even though it never shows from your whether it's sermons or other But, but this was different. Events.
0: It was it wasn't performance anxiety. It was something oh, I different. See, I see. And I said, I need a drink of water and i had a bottle of water i took a minute and i'm like what is going on and the analytical part in me was working and I was like the last time i was here i was you a student, a student. I get it. and yeah. those flashbacks you know and i was like i'm not a student i got this i took a deep deep breath and i started and and it was wonderful
1: that's true that's that's a good point because i can imagine you're going back to that setting where you recall yourself as a kid pretty much as a kid or Starting as a kid a teenager, and as a young yeah. adult, as a teenager, and offering that instruction. So that must have felt, you must have felt very proud being back there in that setting. And
0: I had the honor to meet with Aram Beapar, who you know who was very happy that uh, one of the clergy is going back and is thinking about the seminary. And um, I also have to mention that I'm very grateful to our community, the community of St. Sarkis Church, that donated money, and with that money we were able to take the seminarians out for a lunch and we oh, treated nice. them i, mean, I wasn't aware know. of that that's that great. was very nice very well received by them and everyone who donated was very happy uh, to make that donation so it worked very well so that was the highlight of my summer and i i thought that was you know
1: well you spent that was two weeks that you spent well you only did several days you did three days of I, instruction yes what I was, was the totality spent, of your your trip to I lebanon Twelve days, something like that. How about, did it feel about, being back in Lebanon? You said he hadn't been back in seven years. Seven How years. Does, a lot in general? Changed. Let's talk more about like your impressions of Lebanon. I
0: think a lot has changed. I was able. Uh, I had the opportunity to visit um, different Armenian organizations. I, you know, uh, the parents of our summer camp made some donations that we took to a camp that was running specifically for syrian armenian refugees you know i spent time with them uh, almost the whole day i was with them you know and uh when you see what is going on and uh the conditions that they live in it's heartbreaking and that's you know one of the things about um those countries that you know in within a radius of let's say five miles you will
1: find the extreme rich Absolutely. and the extreme poor. yeah that's exactly what happens because I'm looking at it from my perspective. I spent literally four days. We came through at the tail end of our trip. My family and I, we traveled to Armenia. I caught a couple days of our trip to Armenia and and joined you and spent some time with you there in Lebanon. I saw the beauty and the unbelievable development in Lebanon, the downtown area. It's just incredible to me. I I guess I didn't get the exposure to the, the... the the struggles and the challenges other than you felt that the country feels like under strain like stress overcrowding a lot of Syrian refugees but you also see the advancement and the beauty of the countryside so it was really I I enjoyed that aspect of it of course.
0: I celebrated uh, Badarak on a Sunday Uh, you know that gives you a different opportunity to be with the Armenian community so overall I think it was a good experience I mean, seeing the family spending time with family, of course um, that is very energizing
1: I have to add uh, incredible hospitality at on his family's home it's Absolutely. Just, i mean really Absolutely. you can't compare that to any experience anywhere, so having spent a week or two weeks there with the family i'm sure I only had a, a, a small dose of it, and I felt it how how tremendous that thank is, you as, and, as an and you know you were, were miserable so we're so when grateful. you came to lebanon you I had your miserable. back pain i knew you're gonna bring it up i was miserable <laughs> and it, i was miserable for I, several weeks with serious back pain and, and I, I felt sorry be,
0: that you, you didn't enjoy as much as we
1: yeah, i would have liked it more i'm sure i would have but i was still very grateful for the hospitality
0: thank you very much for mentioning that so at that point i thought that my summer was you know my plans for summer were, were over but then well, we decided to go to Hayastan, and or I went to Hayastan <laughs> <went>. for three <laughs> you days. Took your
1: four four day trip to Armenia. <laughs> yeah, it's no. like my two day trip. I took. I spent like I laughed with everybody. I said I spent a, a a weekend in Yerevan this year. Uh, unfortunately, my vacation was cut cut short due to professional uh, obligations. But you know, you take what you can get, and I made the best of that weekend. Made the most of it. Absolutely, and it's uh, it's, it's it's great. You know, uh,
0: Armenia is our homeland, and anytime yeah, that we can be there and spend time there it, it's it's a great experience what
1: did you do this time when you were there
0: uh i went for uh, my brother-in-law's john megarian they were celebrating the, the 100th anniversary of uh, their uh, establishment the megarian rugs mm-hmm. I, he invited me and i felt that it was something that it would be good if i go and i sure. went for i arrived there on monday i left on friday and that was it yes.
1: <laughs> That's a short trip to Armenia.
0: But you know what's good about my visit, besides spending time with family and seeing the celebration of uh, the Megarians, I also met a lot of um, good old friends, and um, maybe I shouldn't say friends. I'm sounding very casual here, but I got time to spend with the prelate of uh, Aleppo, um, Mm -hmm. Shahan Serpazan, Mm -hmm. who's been a guest on the podcast in the past. That's right. And he has been the dean of the seminary, and I have a very close relationship with him. I uh, spent time with Sebu Surpazan, Hai Sipan, you know, these are the clergy that I mm-hmm. grew up with. I even had the uh, the honor to meet Aram Velpar again, so I met him twice this
1: year. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel very blessed. So That's it, good. Well you get to see the boss. Uh, oh yeah.
1: What do you talk about when you talk to the Vappar? I mean, can you discuss that? I mean is there, are there private conversations or anything you'd be worth would be worth mentioning?
0: You know, the time in Hyastan we the group was significantly larger but in lebanon it was one in one and um Adam is always concerned about the prelacy he is concerned about the churches and he asks uh, detailed questions about how are we doing mm-hmm. and you know what I, I got to mention this but um, um he remembered the, the fundraiser that we had here of course the last he time that it was, he was impressive. Here. That it was very it impressive. Was impressive, and he thanked us again for that. so uh, I felt happy that you know what we did here it was something that is remembered and it was appreciated.
1: so I'm sure there are a few instances in his time and in his travels where he can walk into a room and raise significant amounts of money um, just with an outpouring of love and affection from a community. Sure um in the way that we did. So, and again, uh, I'm Kudos, proud again, very proud of, of our of community. This community for yeah. coming out that way and for showing that support.
0: Definitely. And then since we're talking about two day trips, three day trips, another trip I
1: had um, to Canada, Canada, Montreal, for one of the- my favorite <laughs> cities in the whole world. And of course, well, you know, I fell in love with a woman from Montreal. So of course I'm a little bit partial to it, but uh, you have your reasons to love that. That's that right. City. And that I've really come to appreciate it. Unfortunately, uh, I didn't stay long
0: enough to see the city. We we stayed in the church. We, I mean, the prelacy, the Canadian prelacy. And it was a clergy conference, the joint clergy conference. We had clergy attending from the West Coast, East Coast, and Canada, uh, along with our prelates, the uh, archbishops. It was uh, such such a good thing
1: to see all of our clergy brothers. That's and, a big gathering of clergy. Was, yeah. I mean, that's... That doesn't happen that often, I suspect. It
0: happens every other year. Okay. Um, the last time was in New Jersey, and I did not attend because on that weekend, uh, I was dealing with a family situation. Mr. Avedis. Oh, Mr. Avedis. <laughs> That's right.
1: It's, it's around I, his birthday. I wouldn't birthday. call it a family situation. And, well, he just came. <laughs> <laughs> he decided to show up. <laughs>
0: um, but um, this happens... Uh, every other year. Initially, we used to have this in February uh, during the, the Feast of Remontians the Feast of the priest in our church. But because of logistics and it's difficult to travel in wintertime, especially for our brothers who are com- coming from California, mm-hmm. they made this change and now it's in October. And um, I got the opportunity to give a lengthy presentation on marriage counseling. I think it was
1: received pretty well. Good. So... Um, but when you have these clergy conferences, do you typically call upon one of the brethren to someone from within the clergy to present on a given topic or to draw upon their skills to... to enlighten that's not melodies? uncommon. Yes, not that's uncommon. what happens. Okay. But we also... Um,
0: go out and see professionals in the community and bring professionals to to learn from their expertise so this year we had two presentations one was on marriage counseling Um, i did that part in the morning and in the same afternoon we had another presentation on bereavement counseling and that was done by a professional from the um canadian from the montreal community so We started happy in the morning with marriage and we ended with bereavement but the two topics are very important in the life of pastors and it was very refreshing at least for me
1: to hear somebody else's perspective on bereavement and um how did they respond to your talk on uh, on marriage and marriage counsel, marital counseling
0: well most of the clergy were very encouraged because um, the the approach was very practical and of course, there are some who are skeptical. They haven't tried this, and you know they have their reasons to doubt if this is going to work. But is
1: hopeful- this kind of, when you talk about marital counseling? Is this pre-marriage, the pre-cana type, the equivalent? What what you've been doing within the church or post-marital support and uh, the
0: major focus uh, was parents. on the pre-marital, but I spoke also briefly on post-marriage. But we gotta start from somewhere. And I think starting from the premarital is easier because usually people are coming to church, and that's our opportunity to offer them help, offer them guidance, and help them begin their journey on the right step. So, um, but we have developed, and we have marriage counseling also, and uh, people come here and they benefit from what we at St. Saucer's Church have to offer
2: it helps me to appreciate those nights and those dreams but my friend I'd sacrifice all those nights if I could make the earth and my dreams the same the only
1: So Deadhide, we've talked a lot about the last few months and what's been going on in our lives and your experiences abroad and some of the educational opportunity, teaching opportunities you've had. Um, But a lot obviously has been happening here at St. Sarkis Church as well. So we don't want to neglect that. Of course not. Um, In addition to, you mentioned the summer camp, uh, Sunday school is up and running. It's been going very well. I mean, the attendance is outstanding. Um, Saturday school is back in session, and uh, the kids are very enthusiastic and getting prepared for Hantes, and it seems to be um, incredibly active right now.
0: We have the schools, of course, and we have uh, children's choir. So Children's choir as well, absolutely. So the yeah. children have a lot uh, to do when they come to St. Sarkis Church, but maybe today we skip that, and I want to briefly talk about an event that we had here not too long ago. We called it Faith, Family, and Fun. So it was a day event on the Saturday, and it was geared um, for parents and children. And when I say children, I mean we had two groups: teenagers and small children. And we did work with three different groups. Uh, I work with the parents. Miss Maggie Kuyumjan, um worked with the children and Mrs. Annie Vanessian worked with the teenagers. Mm. So this was an opportunity for us to test the waters and see if we can possibly do a retreat. We didn't call it a, a retreat, but it was a retreat, um, a very small retreat. And after the event, we sent um, a survey, and we have been receiving a lot of positive feedback it sounds like a lot of people are interested, and we ask them, Do you want to do something like this in the future? Do you want to go out and do something like this in the mm-hmm. future? And the majority are interested. So, this gives us an opportunity to start planning events that will try to enrich the spiritual life of our parishioners. And ultimately,
1: that is the goal of our churches. Of course. That uh, goes without saying, that would that would be the priority. Two questions for you, Deadhide. What was the genesis of this? Wait, this concept of faith, family, and fun? Because um, the first I had heard about it, uh, I think I was away. I think I was in Washington. I saw an email pop up in my inbox. Um, tell me a bit about where this came from. And then second question, what was the objective? Specifically, what are you trying to do? Obviously, broadly speaking, it's to, to get the faith conversation going, but what, what what were some of your goals from the event? Appreciate the questions. they two important
0: questions. So in the past, we have retreats for the senior citizens. We had retreats for the teenagers. But the parents, people of my age and your age, I feel that it was an untapped resource and mm-hmm. we wanted to see if they are interested. And I would say that the response was, pretty good i was impressed people came and people wanted to see what we have to offer to them and i felt that you know uh, on that day when i was doing my presentation i was very nervous again i'm talking about my anxieties here but i felt very nervous because i was like this is my chance and you have a captive
1: audience and you want to capitalize on
0: what do i have to offer to them to make them you know subscribe Mm -hmm. to this and come back I believe that faith, Christianity, the teachings of our church is such an important resource in our day-to-day lives. But unfortunately, people do not know much about that resource. It helps us, it guides us, and it brings us closer to God. It helps us live our day-to-day life in a better way. So my idea was that let's explore this. And to answer your second question, what was it that I was trying to teach? I went to that room and I was like, let's try to forget everything that we know about our faith and let's start new. Let's define what is faith, what is Christianity. And start from that definition and say, how can we live our lives as Christians? Because for a lot of people, you know, the myth, the things that they've learned when they were children and that the confusion that they have in their heads about their their faith has created a place where faith is no longer an asset. The church has become a liability, you know, and I don't want that. I want us to think about the church as the greatest resource that God has given to us and our relationship with God is one that God is constantly giving us grace to have a better life to connect with him and to share his divine nature that's what we read in the scripture that's what we read in uh, the second letter of Peter that is our salvation when we share God's divine nature and Saint uh, Athanasius speaks about this and he says God became human so that we can become divine so sharing God's nature Is our ultimate goal and I I try to introduce this idea which seems very alien to everyone um, in bite Mm sized theological way and I'm happy that it was accepted so
1: why why do you think it's alien look we've all been members of the Armenian Church and we've followed whether it's through the badarak through the liturgy or through the other sacraments we get the message most of us do, I mean, by, by following along and, and learning and then hearing your words or hearing any pastor's words sure. from the altar. Um, why do you think it is that people feel like that's a foreign concept, the concept of salvation and, and you know the, the, the concepts that you laid out?
0: In my experience here as a pastor, I've been here for a couple of years now, and, you know, um, I've encountered people who know very well what their faith is and I've encountered others who want to learn but they've never invested the time to learn and they do not know what faith is to me as children we learn about our faith and we teach our children for example we say pray to God and God will protect you and keep you away from harm's way right mm-hmm. and then we grow up and we have that idea about what god does to us and then we encounter our major problem in life and we pray and our prayer is not answered and then we go like where this god that i am believing in is not there for me he's not hearing my prayers and of course we live in a culture where everyone is telling us that do whatever you want to do there is no god you are your own God, it's easier for people to abandon their faith. And that's a problem because we had faith as children, but our faith never matured. And we never had the opportunity to kind of grow in the life of our faith. The Bible never says to us, or our faith never teaches to us that in life you will um, never encounter problems. But it says, when you encounter problems,
1: God will be with you. Okay, You will not be alone. But I like how you illustrate that, because it's probably true for a lot of folks that maybe come to the church superficially, they're in and out, until you're right, you face a calamity, and all of a sudden you're really looking for God's support, and sometimes it doesn't come in the way that you would hope, and you get disenfranchised. So I could see that, that that could resonate with a lot of people where it's like you want to establish that, lay the foundation that should have been laid in their lives throughout as members of the church or um, perhaps as, as parishioners, but it didn't happen. So I applaud you for trying to get them to refocus. It seems like it's a it's a refocus, it's a retooling to try to bring people back to basics. Sure.
0: And the premise of, uh, for the whole lecture was that, what is Christianity? and I uh, reminded them about the great commandment that is found in the Gospel of Mark. They asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, love your God with all your heart, with all your mind. And then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And I said, basically, this is our faith. Love God and love your neighbor. And I said, that's it, let's go home now. But we have a problem. I said, I personally am not able to fulfill this commandment all the time. As much as I want to fulfill it, I can't. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of times that I can't love God with all my heart, because I love myself more. And there are a lot of times that I can't love my neighbor. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, God helps us. God gives us His son to reconcile. And the church helps us to receive grace. And that process of coming to church, receiving grace, and I illustrated three points, through prayer, through scripture and communion. These are the ways that we can enrich our spiritual life. And in that process, we start sharing that divine nature. Something inside us changes. And I said, 10 years ago, I wasn't the same guy guy that I am today. And hopefully if I'm around 10 years from now, hopefully I will be a better person. And that's the process As
1: you continue to to mature in your to faith. To grow in your faith. You grow. Deadhide, this past weekend, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of our prelate, Archbishop Oshagan's ordination as a priest. 50 years. That's pretty significant, Deadhide, and I knew it was going to be quite a celebration. Unfortunately, I was unable to attend due to professional obligations that took me out of the country again, but I really would love to hear about it and hear about how well it was received. I'm sure it was. I knew it was sold out. In no time, so just goes to show that how much affection there is for our, our beloved Serpazan from this community and the support that he enjoys. So tell us a bit about the event.
0: It was a day long of celebrations. It started um, 10 o'clock in the morning with uh, the Divine Liturgy, which was celebrated by Oshagan Serpazan at Saint Illuminators Cathedral, and. That, you know, I, I want to mention this, this is very interesting, that on this occasion, Oshagan Sarpazan chose to celebrate the Divine Liturgy as a priest and not as a bishop, because you know, to him, this was the day that the whole journey started, and he wanted to go back to that initial point. So, this is something subtle, not too many people realize the difference, but he celebrated as a priest. And I want also to mention that um, the Divine Liturgy was live-streamed, and there were a few hundred, uh, uh, hundreds of people who watched um, the live stream on the internet and that is such a good thing because you see that although some people were not able to make it they were able to connect and uh, celebrate with us from their either local parishes or even the comfort of their houses the afternoon part the banquet was really beautiful you know that the whole uh, the, the place you know having so many Armenians coming to celebrate Oshagan Serpazan's 50th. And as you mentioned, it was sold out very quick. And that room felt very tight, you know. Uh, But there was a warmth in the atmosphere, and everyone seemed to be pleased to be part of that historic celebration. Um, The speakers uh, were really good. Um, We had a speech by... Uh, Dr. Ara K- Chalian, who spoke on behalf of the ARF, um, the, um, home, the HOME, the management or our, our sister organizations. And he said, Sai And So, uh, Oshagan Serpazan's voice, you know, is that reminder of our traditions, of our identity, and that uh, voice has resonated with us for the fa- past 50 years. And I, I liked very much um, his approach. And... Danushavan Serpazan, he had his remarks. He was the chairperson of the, of the banquet committee, and kudos to him. He did a fantastic job. Everything was perfect, and uh, you know I would like to thank him very much for everything that he did uh, to make this banquet to look and feel the way it did. Something that to uh, truly honor the service of Oshagan Sarpazan, the service of fifty, 50 years, and then um, Jack Mardoyan. Um, who is the chairman of our executive council. He spoke on behalf of both councils and he conveyed our sentiments to Oshagan Sarpazan. And there was a beautiful poetry uh, by Mrs. Seta Balmanukian, who is really, really very artistic and you know she puts her heart in, in her writings. The keynote speaker was um, truly humbly yours, it was me. And um, uh, it was a, something very difficult for me because, my time was very limited. I had to present Oshagan Sarpazan in 20 minutes, and I tried to stick to that. Um, I didn't want to bore people. And um, when you have that limitation, then you are kind of, you need to pick what to tell and what to omit. And I know that I could have gone um, in lengthy details to cover other areas of Oshagan Sarpazan's life, but I chose to cover whatever I covered. and... Um, i think it was received pretty well initially i was very nervous because the minute that i got on the stage and i started talking you know the servers started i'm not sure serving something or collecting plates uh, from the tables and that noise was bothering me a lot but uh, fortunately they they kind of stopped and um after that i felt that i had a captive o- o- audience they were really listening they were engaged and you know my presentation was more Personal, and you know, when you take that route, you're putting yourself out there, and it, it can go e- either way. He, people can either appreciate the the honesty and the sentiment, or they can say, oh, "So I try to make that you know to maintain a balance, not to make this about me, but about Sarbazan and how his example, his words, and his actions have influenced a young priest." Which I was ten years ago in the life of uh, of our our prelacy, and when when my speech was over, um, I think um, I think I got my approval by the applause that I received, and you know uh, a lot of people came and uh, congratulated me, and it was not me, but you know it was the service that Oshagan Serpazan uh, rendered to the community and to the prelacy, and that was the source of inspiration of my speech. Um, the artistic program was pretty well. The food was delicious. I think overall it was a very good program to say thank you to someone who has dedicated his life to to the to the Armenian church and the past 20 years of his life uh, to to serve the Armenian prelacy. In his closing remarks, Oshagan Sarbazan was very humbled. He remembered his old days as a seminarian, as a young Vartabet, and uh, those people who influenced him, he thanked everyone, he prayed for their souls, those who are gone, and he thanked everyone for being there and showing their love and support um, to him and to the Armenian prelacy and to the Armenian church in general. So I felt fortunate to attend that event and to be part of that celebration. Today, I want to talk about youth ministry, the program of the Armenian Prelacy. And I want to start by saying that a few years ago, and specifically in 2015 at the NRA, which was held in Boston, the NRA delegates started thinking seriously about having a youth ministry program for the Armenian Prelacy. The subsequent meeting in 2016, which was held again in New York, we thought more, and there was a resolution that was passed to form. A youth ministry committee. That committee met regularly and subsequently the committee decided to hire a director of youth ministry. Today we have with us Mrs. Ani Ovanesyan, who is the director of the youth ministry program of the Armenian Prelacy. Ani, welcome to the podcast.
3: Thank you, Dead Thank you for having me.
0: My pleasure. Tell us more about the youth ministry program of the Armenian Prelacy.
3: The youth ministry Unlike a program, really is more more of an opportunity to engage young people in an ongoing open dialogue with the church about issues of how faith interacts and intersects with our um, everyday lives, with contemporary issues and um, just questions that young people may have about uh, what they are interacting with around them in culture today.
0: So how are we trying to deliver what you're saying to the participants, to the youth? Well, after some
3: uh, research, and we've determined that there are some methods historically that tend to work best with young people in terms of guided discussions and times together and um, at this point uh, the prelice of the Armenian church has has chosen a program to guide us so to speak through these dialogues it's a program where we're utilizing that will do exactly that engage young people in in these conversations through small groups and through um through specific i guess conversations okay
0: so if if I were a young a young person, somebody who's looking forward to be part of this program, and I'm hearing about what the prelacy is trying to teach us the the first thing that I would think about is are they going to lecture us again. <laughs>
3: People certainly don't like to be lectured, and I don't think older people like to be lectured either. So, um, no, that's not really the approach we're taking at all. In fact, um, the program we're using shows uh, multimedia has... um, has video content, and then an opportunity to reflect on some of the comments that are presented in the video. The sessions are truly interactive, and they're really designed to have young people in small groups uh, really be candid about their their thoughts.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, last year, when we were in the process of adapting the program and kind of figuring out the direction of the ministry that it would eventually take, we had started some pilot projects in various parishes. But now I hear that that project is expanding. How many parishes of the Prelacy are interested or engaged, and what are we doing in terms of helping them to launch this youth ministry program in their uh, local parishes well i'm truly encouraged to hear that virtually
3: all of our parishes have designated um a a youth ministry liaison in their parishes Um, and with those uh liaisons we've been creating a um either small committees or or um or or councils of some sort so that we can roll out youth ministry as appropriate in each parish. Um, Obviously, the pilot program parishes are are used to the concept and and had a framework of some sort available in the past that they're working off of with this new program. Um, But those communities, the smaller communities, or those that a youth ministry is completely new to, Uh, we've been working with them to... to, um, Set up a leadership sort of, so to speak, or a mentoring program with members from their local parishes, so that we can begin um, starting these youth ministry program groups in each of those local areas i 'm um, I'm, I'm personally very encouraged to see the the excitement and the level of involvement from quite a few parishes outside of certainly the east coast the Midwest. Um, and so forth. So, um, I, I would say, to answer your question, Dead Hyde, that virtually all parishes are in different stages of rolling youth ministry out to their parishes. Some are a little bit further along, but um, I'm working individually to try to tailor what the specific needs of each community is um, in order to to serve that community the
0: best. Uh, what I'm hearing you saying, Annie, is that the prelacy and you... Uh, we are ready and we are waiting for the parishes to kind of extend that invitation and we are ready to go and to train them and to give them whatever they need to kind of start their program on the local level and have a successful year. Is that what I'm hearing? That's
3: exactly what you're hearing, Dead Hyde.
0: Excellent. So let me ask you a controversial question now. Some Some of the people who are listening to this interview might be thinking, we have AYF, we have Homenetmen. Why now starting a new program? Why youth ministry is important for our parishes?
3: AYF, Homenetmen are vital... Um programs within our parishes and within our communities and and they have and they continue to serve an incredible need that we have as armenians to uh, know our identity as armenians um and i don't i frankly i don't see a conflict with youth ministry and and those existing programs because this is a new dialogue you know i'm not quite certain that um you know, we have the opportunity within the existing programs to really engage in in questions of faith and how that intersects with our identity as Armenians. Um, this creates that very opportunity. Um, it's not meant to be a conflict, but rather a um, a complement to the existing. Um, we are Armenian Christians, and and you know, we should be able to be fluent in our ability to articulate our uh, understanding of who we are as both. Um, So I think there's a need to to create a level of comfort with uh, how our faith intersects with us being Armenian.
0: Absolutely. That's a very, very good point that you are making, Ani, because most of the time when we speak to the average Armenian person who knows a little bit about their church, the only thing that they may say about their faith is that we are the first Christian nation and that where the conversation stops. And we want that conversation to go on because there's been 1,700 years since we adopted Christianity and the faith and the the culture of the church has evolved and we want our children to know about their uh, identity. So, Ani, it sounds like the program is it's in infancy and my hope is that few few months from now, I would have you again on the podcast, and you would tell me about the achievements of each individual parish that they are having, and uh, you would share with us your success stories.
2: I look forward
3: to doing that, the, um It's very promising, and, uh, and like I said, the, the enthusiasm from the local parishes are equally encouraging. So thank you. Appreciate this opportunity. To have thank
0: you very much, Ani. God bless you. Let's do the Bible reading and reflection now. Today's reading is from the
1: Epistles to the Galatians, chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience kindness generosity faithfulness gentleness and self-control there is no law against such things and those who belong to christ jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires if we live by the spirit let us also be guided by the spirit let us not become conceited competing against one another envying one another Very
0: powerful message that comes to us from St. Paul in his letter to the Galatians. Mm -hmm. Basically, Paul is showing to us that our faith should be manifested in the way that we live. And in the first part of your reading, he gave a lot of examples of what people who have no faith will do. And he contrasted that to those who have faith and they enjoy the fruit of the spirit unfortunately i think all of us go through that first set of examples of enmities and anger and other things that paul mm-hmm. described and that shows us that when we are in that state or engaging in those behaviors obviously we are away from god right but when we go to the second set of examples to what he calls the fruit of the spirit he is telling us that we are growing in our faith, and we are experiencing the grace which we spoke about a little bit earlier, the grace that gives us, and that grace is growing with us, in us, and we are sharing that divine nature. Look, love, joy, and peace, and generosity, and kindness, those are things that our Lord Jesus Christ lived. Mm -hmm. And if we practice those behaviors we are imitating the life of our Lord Jesus Christ and that makes us really practice our faith because our faith is not a set of emotions it is something that is expressed in our lives
1: and the one thing I take away from what you said is that it comes from grace it's the spirit that directs you or gives you the appropriate guidance to stay away from that, the works of the flesh, um, the the sin, if you will, the the obvious sins, the ones that he outlines. Um, but I'll tell you that I'll be honest. I mean, I don't think it's a matter of a lack of faith. There's a lot of people who have the faith, but they fall weak in the challenge and the struggles of these sort of passions or desires or. whatever you would characterize and I agree with
0: you and I would call the second set of examples this the fruit of the spirit is the life of the rebellious because it's so easy for us to be driven by emotions and passions and and get angry when somebody tells something to us that we don't want to listen but if we live by the fruits of the Spirit and we choose to forgive we choose to be generous we are being rebellious and that's not an easy thing to do it's very easy to be angry to be jealous it's not an easy thing to to live by the fruits of the Spirit and that is very challenging so I guess I'm calling my listeners today to be rebellious (laughs) to do the things that not everyone is doing to love and have joy and have peace practice generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And with that, we know that we are getting closer to God. Those are practical measures that
1: show us that we are growing in our life of faith. Rebellion is the word. Rebellion I like it it. is <laughs> I would have never taken away that it, from this reading that the interpretation would be that living by the fruit of the Spirit, um, these values would be considered rebellion. But I guess you're right, because... The, the pressures of the world are contrary to those those fruits. So I, I, I take heed to your guidance, and I, I would try to be rebellious to heart.
0: Thank you, And you know what? It's really good to be back recording the
1: podcast. <laughs> I've enjoyed it as well.
0: Today's hymn is called Pare from the Badarak of Gomidas Svartabet. This is a hymn that we sing during the procession before the Divine Liturgy. I hope you will enjoy listening to Josu Khosutiamp. Before I let you go, I would like to ask you to say a prayer for the souls of those who lost their lives on Tuesday, October 31st, in New York City, in Manhattan. We pray for their souls, and we pray for their family members. We will be back, hopefully, in a few weeks. In the meantime, I'd like to thank Veh and Greg for all the hard work. I would like to thank all of our listeners for their loyalty. And I pray that the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ may always be in your hearts. Amen.
1: Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Dr. Carlo Bayraktarian. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode, please contact the church office at 718-224-2275.